back to school season, and, and we're going to say take a moment now and just even pray for all those who are going back to school. So, so whether you're here in person or even tuning in online, because we know many people are still tuning in online, we're just going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just pray for all those going back to school. God, we pray for the, the teachers and the students and the parents. God, this year is like none other, and, and everything is up in the air, and it's distance, and it's virtual, and it's all the different changes. God, I just ask that your grace and peace would be with everyone that is going back to school. God, that you would give administrators and, and people in charge your wisdom to be able to make good decisions, God, and give everyone the grace to be able to walk through this difficult season uh, together. And God, I pray that your, your favor would be upon all of our children and teachers and everyone else as they continue to, uh, continue to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. It's such a crazy time. I, I, I couldn't imagine going back to school right now with all the different rules and, and everything that they're, that they're trying to go through um, in the midst of this. You know, it's, it's even funny enough as the preacher just to preach to people wearing masks. You know, I get it. We, we're doing it. But, but it's, a, it's just such a strange thing, isn't it? And you walk around the stores. Are they smiling at you? You don't know. You know, they might be smiling. And then what do you do? I don't know. Do you wink at them? That can get creepy. You know, you don't do that either. So, you know, it's such an odd time trying to interact with other people in the midst of this pandemic. You know, if you're a guest with us today, whether you're first time here in person or maybe you're tuning in online, I want to welcome you and just say, hey, we'd love to get to know you and and we'd love to be able to make friends. And and the first step to, to getting connected with us is to text into the office and right on the screen you can see the information. If you text guest into our office, you'll get um, the first steps going. And at the same time, we're also going to receive tithes and offerings. So for those of you who call City Church your home church, we'll receive tithes and offerings. You can do that in the building. You can text in. You can go to our website. Um, but in the building, you can also drop stuff in our drop boxes. And so let's pray over that right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of your provision. God, we just thank you that, um, that we have the opportunity to serve you. And uh, God, as we receive the tithes and offerings, I ask God that everywhere those dollars are spent, that they would have an exponential impact um, everywhere they go, that, that, God, you would be made famous. Um, not us, but, God, that you would be made famous everywhere those dollars are spent. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 So now, if you've been part of the church for a little while, you know that I only tell terrible dad jokes on holidays. And as you all know, today is um, National Coworker Day. Yeah, so, yeah, I know, right? So, so it's National Coworker today. We have, you have an employee somewhere or an, a coworker at work. And so I thought, well, here we, here we go. A guy goes into a job interview, sits down with the boss, and the boss asks him, what do you think is your worst quality? And the man says, well, I'm probably too honest. And the boss says, well, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. I think honesty is a good quality. And the man says, I don't care what you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe, maybe not. All right. So uh, employee getting to know some of her new coworkers the topic of her last job came up, and they said, you know, well, why'd you leave that job? And, and the, the, the new girl says, well, it's something my boss said. Oh, what'd they say? You're fired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it, it, we have a lot of engineers in our city. I don't know if you know that. We have the labs and so many other things. And so out of, I had to have an engineer. I was looking for an engineering co-working joke, but I could just find an engineering joke. And it's not a great fit, but it's going to happen. So some people say that the glass is half full. Some people say that the glass is half empty. Engineers say the glass is twice as big as necessary. That's right. All the engineers are like, amen, amen. That's the problem, not the water, it's the glass. 
You guys, we're in a series on Daniel. We're in week number two on our Daniel series, and we're kind of starting through the book of Daniel, and, and we're going to be picking through parts of it and, and kind of going through. Last week, we talked about some stuff that was in chapter one. Today, we're going to be talking about some stuff that is in chapter two. But the overall series is how do we live a godly life in an ungodly culture? How do we live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God, even though we're surrounded in a world that is not honoring and pleasing to God? As the people who are believers and Christ followers this morning, you you know this tension and this challenge. If you're not a Christ follower, you got to understand that if you decide to make a decision to follow Jesus, you are going to go counterculture to what is around us because the life that Christ has called us to live is not called to be easy, but it's called to be effective. And it's and He's not saying it's going to be easy, but He does promise us that that He will not leave us or abandon us. And so, living a counterculture walk is is following. Christ to be, and and it happens all around. And and if you're a Christ follower, you feel that tension, don't you? You feel the tension of like, well, what do I do? Do I speak up now? Do I not? How do I manage this? How do you live a godly life and still be an influence for God in a culture that is this way? So this morning, I want to talk to you about this idea of being a thermostat versus a thermometer. A thermostat versus a thermometer. You see, a thermometer can read the room and tell you what the temperature is. There's a thermometer that can say, this room is too hot, this room is too cold. How many times as believers have we walked into an environment at work or at school or or at home or or anywhere we might be going through life and we have felt in our spirit almost like a check of like, this isn't right because your thermometer kicked in. But the thermostat takes it another level. A thermostat has a thermometer built in because it measures the atmosphere of the room. But then the thermostat has something inside of it that can kick into gear that can now change the temperature in the room. They aren't something that just reads it and tells you what's happening. The thermostat says, I can read it. I can tell you what's happening. And I'm going to take another step in making a difference and having an impact into my atmosphere, into my environment, the place that, that I am currently sitting in. That atmosphere, that environment for you, that might be something in school. It might be a classroom. It might be something there. It could be something at work. It could be something at family, whether it's direct or maybe even extended family. Can we be thermostats that actually implement change in the atmosphere around us? Reminds me of a, of a story of a husband and wife. They got divorced. It was a bitter divorce. It was a bitter divorce. And this is actually a true story, a bitter divorce. And um, uh, the wife got the, got the house um, and... Uh, and, and, and the husband was really angry about this, and so, um, so he, you know, they they, they got bitter divorce. She gets the house, and and, and he's upset about it. But you see, um, they had one of those Wi-Fi thermostats, and so he had access to the thermostat through his smartphone, and he knew her schedule. And so every time she would leave to work, he would crank it. I mean, crank it. It'd be unbearable temperatures inside the house. And when he knew that she would be headed back home, he put it back to normal. And so then she would come back home and the house felt like normal. Uh, At the end of the first month, she had a massive utility bill. I mean, massive. And and she's like, what's going on? And and so she calls the utility company and they're like, I'm not sure you're taking, you're using all this power. I mean, what's, I don't know what's happening. And so, so that every month it started going on and on and on. And it was like six or eight months. They eventually figured out that the ex-husband the whole time was messing with the thermostat in order to screw her out of money every month because it was like his, 
I don't know, his mission to like mess her up on this thing, right? The thermostats can have some power and some influence. Thermostats can, ha- can, can affect things in life. Because this is an important topic of how do we live in this kind of culture and still have influence. Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing good people mishandle important issues. That they go off on people sometimes, right? Have you seen this? Facebook's famous for it. People get all keyboard warrior and, and they rip people new ones and you're like, man, that is not representing the love of Christ in people's life. And, and they, they, will, they will take these issues and they will go nuts on them. And it's like, is that really influencing anybody? Everybody throws their opinions in and they're strong-willed, but nobody leaves the table changed, do they? They, they just yell at each other. And we feel better about yelling at them with our opinion, and, and they feel better about yelling at us with their opinion. And, and this is something that, 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 as believers, we are called to influence this generation, influence this world. And, and how can we influence this world if all we're doing is inflaming things? How do we do it? It's It's difficult. You don't want to go to war over small things, but you don't want to roll over and not make a difference. Where's the balance? How do you stand firm for God and still have influence in this generation? How do you do it? it? It's tough. It's tough. But it does not mean isolation from culture because that's one of the extremes as well. One extreme is we go to war on everything and we make everything this massive mountain and we're ready to go to war on it all. The other one is like the, the line in the sand and we isolate and we just stay in our little Christian bubble with our Christian friends and Christian music and Christian everything and, and, and then we live in this, this safe, isolated um, thing. Well, listen, when we're called to be in the world but not of the world. And how do you live in the world but not be of the world? And there's got to be a balance is what I'm saying is that sometimes we have the natural tendency to slide one way or the other, but to truly implement change in the world around us, to truly be an influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go, we have got to find the balance in our life. How do we live and stand for God in a culture that is so ungodly? And that's where Daniel comes in. You see, Daniel did this, and I think he did a pretty good job of holding that balance, if I don't say so myself. Last week, we talked about how Daniel was uh, captured by the Babylonians. They were advancing their kingdom, and so Babylon is what and, and, and captured them, and, and so um, they killed people and whatnot, but they kept him, right, because he looked like you and me. He was smart and young and, and beautiful and, and, uh, and brilliant. You remember this from last week? We talked about all these qualities he had, and they said, we're only going to keep the top of the top, which would have been our whole church, right? Because you remember this. We're not the biggest church in town, but we are the best looking church in town. Can I get an Amen. Yes, that's right, that's right. So, so we, you know, so Babylon would have been, geographically speaking, would have been where modern-day Iraq is today. It would have been in that area of the country, or of the, of the world. And so this is where this is happening. So Babylon was a country, was a, a society that was living in that kind of region of the world. But Babylon in the Bible, as you look was actually addressed almost like a spirit of Babylon all throughout Scripture. So you can read in Revelation, it talks about Babylon, even though Babylon would have been long gone by then. In Genesis, it talked about the Tower of Babel, which would have come out of that same area and that same mindset. You see, Babylon had kind of a, a motto, this kind of spirit of Babylon, if you will, that, that, that kind of it was pervasive throughout human culture in different areas. Babylon's motto is this, I am and there is none beside me. It's very self-centered. Which culture sounds self-centered these days, doesn't it? We are the culture of the selfie. 
I would, I, I, you know, what, what, would, what would the Babylon mindset say? I, I would do things different than God. I would write different rules than God. Oh, what's that? That's in the Bible? I just don't know if I agree with that. So um, I'm just going to take that part out of the Bible, and I'm not going to apply that to me. I'm only going to apply the parts of the Bible that I feel comfortable applying. Well, that, that's not, that, that is a very self-centered, you are making God your servant rather than you serving God if, if you start to flip that, right? So I would write different laws than God. I would, I would think, I, I would maybe judge differently than God. I, I would make these things. I, you know, the Babylon thing is all about me and what I think and what I believe and what I do and what I, I, I. The, the, the Babylon spirit was very self-centered, self-indulging. It was like, well, no, no loving God would ever call me to do something that doesn't feel good. No, no loving God would ever do that. I mean, he would only call me to do things that, that feel good. Well, no, that's not true. It's not true. He calls us to do things that don't feel God. I mean, God doesn't love me. Otherwise, he would let me do what I want to do, right, if he loved me. My, my kids want to do stuff that I tell them no. You know why? Because it's better for them. When I tell them, hey, it's time to turn off the screens, you know, no more Nintendo, no more TV, no more iPhone, pad, whatever device they're using. Like when I say the screen time is over, I get some eye rolls sometimes. And so I smack the eye rolls out. No, I'm kidding. But, but you know, <laughs> I'll show you the eye rolls. Yeah, so, but you know, like, like when my kids do this, well, guess what? As a dad, it's like, no, I'm telling you that it's, this time is over and it's time to do something else. Go play outside. Is it because I'm being mean? No. Do they like it? No, about an hour later, they're having a great time outside and they've forgotten all about that interaction. But, but listen, as a parent, we know what's best for our children and we're doing things to help guide them to be better in life. Sometimes God is telling us to do things that it makes things uncomfortable, right? And, 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 that's, and that's part of following God. And here's what happens is in the Babylon motto is that we start to think that God isn't for me or that God wants too much from me. And this is where one of the lies of Satan, the lies of the enemy comes into play, where the enemy comes in and, and says, Satan says, I'm all about you and God is all about himself. And that, and that isn't true. God isn't just all about himself and not for you. He is for you, but sometimes his ways don't feel super comfortable. It's not the natural track we want to take. And so today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there. You can open it on an app, however you want to do it. We also have it on the screen, so you can follow along there. So in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar is the king that's ruling over this area. Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream or know the interpretation of the dream. And then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your, your servants the dream and we shall show the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Whoa, what? 
I had a bad dream, guys. What does it mean? Tell me the dream. No, no, no. You tell me what I dreamed and the interpretation. King gone crazy. What is this guy doing? You know, and then he says, if you can't do it, I'm going to rip your limbs apart and burn your house down. But if you can do it, then you're going to have great riches and honor bestowed upon you. Um, wow. This guy's like a bit of an extremist. Right? I can't. I mean, talk about a toxic work environment. This boss is like, you know, coworker day and all. This, guy, this boss has gone crazy. The king is like, like I had a terror. Who could possibly do that? What do you think these guys are saying? They're like, okay, king, let's go think about it. The door closes and they're like, dude, dude's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. I'm out. I'm out. I'm packing my stuff and I'm leaving. I, I, he's not, I can't. We can't do this, man. Like, I don't get paid enough for this. You know, like there are all these conversations are probably having in the background because the king is like asking something that is completely unrealistic. So we're going to jump forward in, into verse 25. And then Arioch brought in Daniel Daniel, we've been talking about Daniel before the king in haste and said to him, I have found amongst the exiles from Judah, the people that they have captured, a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. And the king declared to Daniel, remember he changed his name to Belshazzar, right? A girl name. And and you're able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in this interpretation. King, here's this random guy that we captured and he's been hanging out in our area. And uh, due to the lady's name, Dude looks like a lady. Nah, nah, nah. And so he, he like, they, they, they get this guy and they, and they bring him in and say, well, he thinks that he can do it. He thinks he can do it. So Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. What you just asked everybody to do is impossible. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions in your head as you lay in bed are these. Daniel says there is no magician, there is no astrologer, there is, there is nobody else. You can call on all of the people that you have been calling on all of your life, but they cannot deliver what you are asking for. What you are asking for can only be delivered by the Almighty Most High God. And lucky for you, we are connected to the Almighty, Most High God. And so I am going to share with you what God has said. Daniel is saying, it's not me saying this. It is God, the Almighty God saying this. The God that is higher than all these people that you've been consulting with for all of these years. And so he goes on to tell him the dream and the meaning. And he, he tells him there was a man, a statue, this tall, this wide, this kind of metal, different parts of the body had different pieces into it. And, and then there's a ton of stuff inside of that. And that's a whole other sermon or five just in that dream and interpretation of what was happening. But we're going to skip through to verse 46. And then, then, and then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel. How often does a king fall on his face and bow down to anyone in his kingdom? And he commanded that an offering and an incense be offered up to him. I wonder if halfway through this thing, if Daniel is like wondering, like, am I getting this right? Right? Because the stakes are high. It's either like, I'm going to be rich or I'm going to be torn from limb to limb. It's like putting everything on black and letting it spin. You're just like, I don't know. It's 50-50. I don't know what's about to happen. I couldn't even imagine how nervous he would have been. So the king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men in Babylon. 
Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. Promotion and favor. It says that he was made the chief magician. He was made the chief of these guys. And they referred to him as chief magician through, um, throughout the text of this thing. You know, if, if, if I, I was in his shoes, I don't know if I'd be like, uh, King, didn't I just tell you that I'm not a magician? Right? Like, I would think it would have been like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, can we like change that, you know, like change the title or whatever? But for whatever reason, Daniel didn't seem to push back on it. He didn't get bent out of shape being called the chief magician. You see, people are going to see something in you, and they're going to label it. They're going to see something in you, and they're going to label it. And I want to encourage you, don't necessarily get bent out of shape over how they label it. It happens, right? You're, you're, maybe, maybe it doesn't happen to you. Maybe, maybe it should happen to you, but there's times where someone's going to tell you, I just like your energy, the aura that you have. You, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll use the phrases and terminology that they understand to talk about the Holy Spirit in you only because they don't have the context and vocabulary to describe it, right? They don't have the context and vocabulary to describe it. They'd only have a certain limited vocabulary. And what they're seeing is the Holy Spirit in you as you bring peace to tense situations, as you carry the fruit of the Spirit of the living God into, into rooms and you become someone who's carrying peace and joy and love and, and patience and long-suffering, as you're carrying that into these situations in work and all these different atmospheres that we are being placed into, they're going to use terms that they understand to describe what you know is the Spirit of God. But you know it's the Spirit of God. Oh, you have just a, man, you just have good vibes, bro. Like, you just got that, you know, that we're vibing. This is, this is good, you know. And it's like, yeah, it's not vibrations. It's literally the power of the Holy Spirit is what you're sensing. But, but that's cool. You call it what you want to call it. And I'm just going to deliver what I know I'm delivering, you know. So sometimes we just got to understand that don't fight that fight. Just, just be able to start saying, I'm, I'm going to do this. And at some point in time, the door is going to open for you to say, listen, I know you're calling it this and you're calling it that and the other thing. But, but I just want to tell you, this is what's really going on. But, the, but that door will open when it's time for that door to open. You see, Daniel was given a voice directly into the king's life. He went from obscurity all the way to the top because he just listened to what God had to say and he followed God's leading and commands. So I have three points today out of this section of scripture. And it's all about thermostats. <laughs> and the first one is that Thermostats set the atmosphere. Thermostats set the atmosphere. You see, a thermometer will reflect the atmosphere, but thermostats will set it. We sense the temperature and we try to change it. So many times as Christians and believers, we can see that change needs to happen, but we don't know what to do or what to say. And I see extremes come into play. There's the justice side, right? There's, there's the justice side, the, 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 the side that says it's black and it's white and then we're going we're gonna to call sin, sin, yes, and we're going to call truth, truth, and we're going to, and you can find verses for that, no problem. And then the other side of it says, well, it isn't fair to hold non-godly people to godly standards, so we're going to extend lots of grace to these people and lots of love to these people. And last week, we talked about the balance of grace and truth. Thermostats who change the atmosphere know how to walk the path and the balance of grace and truth. Daniel did it so well, and Jesus modeled it to perfection. And as you and I are Christ followers, we should strive to have the balance of grace and truth. And if I can be honest, even as your pastor, there's days that I slide a little one way or slide a little the other. 
but being able to autocorrect and start to, to find that, that balance. I'm imperfect, just like you. And so whenever there's days that you're like, I feel like I've been sliding too far one way, that's okay. Just kind of slide yourself on back over. And you start sliding one way. Oh, well, that's okay. Just slide yourself on back. You're not Jesus. You're trying to be like him and live like him. And as you pursue him, hopefully you find a balance. And you, but, but even in the midst of it, as you start to slide one way, just autocorrect and drag yourself back over and back and forth. And, and, and you find yourself trying to balance the grace and the truth. It isn't fair to hold godly people to ungodly or ungodly people to godly standards, right? I mean, we're not really called to judge people in an eternal sense. It's not our job, that's God's job, right? So Daniel was known as someone who answered to a different God than they did. He was known by that before he got called up into this high place. How was it that they all knew him as that before he got called into that high place? I, I, I tell you what, I don't think he just sat in the corner with his mouth shut. I, th I think he was leading with a, with, with, as a godly example even in the low places that he was at before he got elevated. My challenge to you is this, is can you lead in the environment that you are in with godly character and with the balance of grace and truth? Can you lead where you're at even though it might seem insignificant to you? It's not insignificant. People are watching. It is unbelievable to see how people are watching. And, and so lead the way that you're leading. Be a thermostat in the environment that you are in. And then God will elevate you as you go through life. He let them know how, what he believed and who he answered to with the way that he talked and the way that he behaved. Number two is this. Changing the culture takes time. Changing the culture takes time. A thermostat changes the atmosphere one degree at a time. One degree at a time. In fact, if you tried to change it faster, it would be highly uncomfortable. I was in Phoenix a few years ago. Phoenix, Arizona, in the middle of the summer. It was one of those weeks. It was like 115 to 120 degrees outside. A little warm, balmy, really just amazing. And I, I remember getting out of the car parking at the place I was going to and getting out of the car and it was a hundred and whatever surface of the sun, a level of hell hot in, in Phoenix. And I'm walking across a parking lot. The, the asphalt felt sticky. I mean, it was hot. And, and so I'm walking across and I get to the building I'm trying to go into and I open up the, it had little airlock doors. You know, you open up the first and you open the second one. The building was set to 70, 70 degrees on the inside. It almost took my breath away. The contrast from 120 degrees outside to 70 degrees inside was like almost like someone hit me in the chest. I took a breath of that cold air. I was like, <gasps> you know, I was like, I got COVID. And it was like, it just, it struck me hard because of the contrast between the hot and the cold. And I couldn't even be comfortable breathing in that atmosphere. It took me a little while. It took me a little because the contrast was so strong. Likewise, I got acclimated to the building. And after a few hours, there was a break in the meetings I was in. And I came outside and it was still 120,000 degrees outside. And I walked out. And as soon as I walked out, I was like, whoo, there we go. It is hot. And it just took me a minute, right? Because the contrast was so large. The contrast was so large. It's hard to make the change from 120 to 70 like that. It's a lot easier to take that change one degree at a time and kind of dip down in or come up in a little bit of a slope, a little bit of a slope. And I'm so grateful that God guided me from my past into his glory one step at a time. 
And I can, can I get an amen? Like it is so good that God got, let me take the steps of faith in my faith to get to where I am going. And you might be a few steps down the road from somebody else and we shouldn't look back and be like, well, we need to be up here today. No, no, no. God's gonna take them on their journey, on their steps in his grace and his timing to be able to get them to the place that they need to get to. Sometimes we wanna hold people to standards. Changing the culture takes time. Changing people takes time. I've heard to boil a frog takes time. If you have boiling water and you throw the frog in, it will just jump right out. But if you take the frog and you put it in a normal pot of water, put the lid on it, put it on the stove, and raise that temperature slowly, it'll just sit there and boil alive. And now you have boiled frog, which, what would you do with that? Eat it? I don't know. Daniel stayed in his place, consistently serving God until the opportunity arose. Can we be faithful to where we're at? Can we be faithful to the call of where we are at? And when God opened the door, which, by the way, no man could have opened that door. Only God could have opened that door. Daniel stepped in, ready for what lied ahead. And number three is this. If the keyboardist panels would come, we're going to wrap up. Number three is this, is, is that culture change requires humility. Culture change requires humility. Think about it. Daniel knew that the king was worshiping false gods. He knew it. Daniel knew that the king was not serving God. Dan, Daniel knew it. He was, Daniel, it's easy to say, Daniel could say that the king was living, actively living in sin, in defiance to the almighty God. He didn't walk in and start calling everybody out. He didn't walk in and start saying, you're a sinner. You know, he didn't walk in and start call, like, calling people down. And, and like, he didn't walk in and start kicking down doors. He walked in with humility into a situation. The atmosphere was wrong and he knew it. He knew that it wasn't right. And he knew that he was called to be a, an, an agent of change in the atmosphere of that kingdom. And I'm telling you, God has called you to be an agent of change. In the, in the place that he has put you, he has called you to be an agent of change. An agent of change. And it requires a thermostat to kind of set the atmosphere and move the temperature and move the temperature. He didn't show up and start calling everybody out. In fact, if you look, Daniel actually gave honor and praise to the king because of the situation he was in and the position he was in. He acknowledged that the king was the authority over that area. And Daniel spoke to them in the terms that they could understand. He spoke to them in the terms that they could understand. I don't know if you guys know this, but in, in church world, we have Christianese, our own little language, you know, and, and language that we can, that we use amongst ourselves sometimes that, that has, and, and it's good language and it has a lot of implications. But when you walk through the store and you start talking about, you know, hallelujah this or hallelujah that, there's a lot of people like, hollow what? Oh man, we should go fellowship together. Do What? <laughs> what fellowship is like a boat like what is that you know like people people don't understand sometimes what the language is if you're talking about changing the temperature and you're calling out a temperature in fahrenheit and somebody else is talking about it in celsius how many of you guys know it's going to be a radically different temperature in the room because it's different language i want to encourage you that that it's okay to to explain things in simple terms that may not be fully encapsulating. Talking about the, sh whatever. You start talking about all this crazy stuff in Revelation and people are like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. You can break it down into that, into their language. Daniel's humility allowed God to elevate him to the highest places in government. 
James 4, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Here's what I know, that when the Lord lifts you up in those places, he's the one carrying the weight. When you put yourself and you push yourself into places that God is not calling you to go yet, you're carrying the weight. And you're carrying a weight that you weren't designed to carry. And when you're faithful to follow God and you're faithful to be, to, to be faithful to what he's put in front of you and in your hands at the time, he will open the doors. He will elevate you. He will promote you in seasons and times that are right as God sees fit. And when that happens, he's carrying the weight, not you. Will you bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, we just... We are so grateful that, that you have paid the price for sin, that you have given us um, a, a, the, a, the ability to live in right standing with you, God, that we can be in a relationship with you where we can hear from you. We can pray and you hear our prayers and, 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 you, and we can hear from you and direction on where to go. God, as we as a church start to make steps to be a, a thermostat in our environment, a thermostat in the places that we go and the the areas that we are at in life, the places you placed us. God, give us the grace and the truth and the wisdom, God, to be able to say the right things in the right time in the right way. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, it's been a good week. I, I'm, I'm excited that you guys came, and and I know that we're in the middle of the, the COVID with the with the masks and the and the physical distancing and stuff like that. And I'm so grateful you guys have been so good at at staying in the right places. And, and so at this time, it is going to be the end of our service. Um, and uh, there's plenty of fresh air outside. There's even shade out there. And so you're welcome to hang out and fellowship <laughs> in, in the shade outside. If you want to hang out, I'll be out there in a few minutes. God bless you guys and have a wonderful, wonderful week.